This is Texas Soccer Radio. My name is Kyle Makey. His name is Larry Leathers. Together, we are going to bring you all of this week's San Antonio soccer news. We're going to talk about some things going on around Texas with soccer. And we're going to talk about some things going on around North America with soccer. We'll uh, start a little bit all around the country, I think, here in just a minute. But Larry, first off, how are you doing tonight, my friend? I, I could be better. I put myself together for this stream. I was in bed all day yesterday sick. I spent most of today just laying on the couch. But here I am, ready for the podcast tonight. I feel you, man. I, I think this mountain cedar that's coming, I think just reading about it has gotten me feeling blue. <laughs> I think I, I have mental allergies coming just thinking about mountain cedar at this point. So it's Between mountain cedar and all the molds from how wet it's been, yeah, it's killing me. Yeah, brutal. Uh, hopefully you feel better soon. Uh, hopefully we can power through, get to our Christmas break here. Um, yeah. <laughs> man, I, I cannot believe Christmas has snuck up so quickly this year. We're um, like four days away now. Yeah. Too soon. Man, we're getting out of the range of Amazon Prime delivery windows. So, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Hopefully we uh, can find some stores here. But... Um, if you are listening to the recorded version of this podcast, I just want to remind everybody that we do have a live Periscope stream every Thursday night at 10 p.m. You can join us on the Texas Soccer Radio Periscope stream. Uh, it's at TX Soccer Radio, same as our Twitter handle, um, which you can follow that as well if you're not already. We we just passed uh, 100-ish followers, I think, on that one, so... Um, yay for off season follows. That's, that's always good when there's not games being played and we're still (laughs) gaining some traction, getting some listeners. So very happy about that. Um, but let's talk about, let's start with, uh, our Twitter poll for the week. That, that seems like a good place to start with this hard hitting, uh, super important soccer news going on. Uh, we had a Twitter poll that, uh, simply asked, which was the worst mascot? Uh, your choices were San Antonio Scorpions mascot Sting, which uh, is most remembered for hatching from an egg at midfield at one point. Um, we had Hat Trick Harry from Swope Park Rangers that looks um, like, I, I don't even know how to describe it, like a Yeti with yeah, a he's, soccer shirt? He's a weird Yeti type creature. And he's then. A- yeah, good. Go ahead. <laughs> and then, as if I, you know, I couldn't describe him, so there's no way I'm going to be able to describe the third option, which was Trucky from Reno 1868. Uh, I did put pictures underneath the thread for this poll, so at least the people voting knew what they were looking at. Uh, well, I don't know if any of us knew what we were looking at, to be honest with you. What the hell is Trucky? I still can't figure that out. I think I finally figured out the closest thing to equate Trucky to. He's one of the ants from It's a Bug Life. Bug's Life. (laughs) Like, that's the closest thing that Trucky is. Oh, my God. It does look like that, doesn't it? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) What is with... And to be clear, like, I don't care if a team has a mascot. Good on you. Whatever. Like, it's not like American teams are the only ones with that. I've seen some English uh, Premier League teams with mascots and, you know, all around the world. But come on, do better than this. But out of those three, um, Truckee with the upset comes in with 39% of the vote. Kind of a surprise there for such a, a San Antonio leaning podcast that we have. 
A little surprised that Sting didn't get the win there, but Truckee got 39%. Sting came in second with 30%, and Hattrick Harry closed out the three with 26% of the vote. And 26% of the people were right. Hattrick Harry is the worst mascot. He's utterly terrifying, and nobody should like him. I don't want to seem like I'm bandwagoning a winner here, but I'm pretty sure I voted for Truckee. I, I just don't understand what it is. Like, how how can I... It can't be a good mascot if you don't know what it is, right? Well, I, you don't really know what Harry is either. I mean, is... <laughs> what, what, what is hair. <laughs> it's just a ball of hair that rolled into a I, soccer shirt. I voted for Harry. Harry, Harry's the one. Uh, Sting definitely gets the win for worst entrance into the league. <laughs> yeah, that's the old confetti egg. That's. I wish they would do player announcements like that. Like you know how LAFC is doing the whole thing with the hat raising when they look at the camera. I wish yeah. a bunch of San Antonio players would just pop out of a cascarone and like <laughs> there they are. Are we gonna make Darren sit on it first? Does he have to incubate it? I think it needs to be incubated. Get Tim. Oh, get, man. get Darren. Make him sit on the egg for a few weeks. Get announcements that way. We've got to put pen to paper, get all of these very high quality recommendations uh, (laughs) into the people's hands who can make it happen. But anyway, that's our Twitter poll. We'll see if we have one for next week. Who knows? We never really know where this show's going to go. So find something right now. Speaking of eggs and hatching, I got nothing there. Speaking of San Antonio (laughs) FC, let's let's move there. Um, we, we have a few more players announced, which is good. Uh, I, uh, was talking to someone online about why San Antonio FC trickles the announcements out like this, or it feels like they trickle the announcements out. And I told him I'm all for it. Cause it gives us something to talk about every week on the podcast. I don't feel like we're doing anything that much differently than the other teams. I mean, most of the other teams and the announcements I see seem to be trickling out here and there. A few teams got an earlier start, but it was also teams that weren't necessarily in the postseason. So I don't feel too badly about it. Yeah, that's that's true. And one of the cool things um, I was a little surprised by was USL actually has an official roster tracker on their website or sorry, a transfer tracker on their website um, where you can see the players that left a club and the players that are coming into a club. Um, so that's cool. It doesn't have any additional information on it as of right now. Um, it's also not up to date. Know, but, yeah. <laughs> McCarthy's not on it quite yet, uh, but I hopefully think soon. Pretty sure Greg Cochran's name was spelled wrong last time I looked too. <laughs> I sure think I they fixed that, but uh, McCarthy wasn't on it when I looked at it earlier today. I love you. But it's a holiday so, week. I'll give him yeah, this. It's let, a let holiday slide. week. Let it slide. It's a holiday Other month. things are happening. Yeah. There's, there's more important things. So, this week, we got Maxi Rodriguez, Connor Presley, and Big Macca, Stephen McCarthy, uh, all re-signed for 2018. Um, which of these three are you most excited about seeing again next year? I, I think I'm going to have to go with Maxi. Um, I think we saw some good things out of Maxi this year. And honestly, from what I've seen out of him as a player and off the field, I couldn't be happier for him. I think he deserves it. Um, I did have an interaction with his mom of all people oh, really? during the season. Yeah, <laughs> I was actually at one of the games and I was standing on the on the ramp and just ended up talking to a random lady beside me. And it was Maxie's mom <laughs> come to find out. And she was just over the moon and so proud of her son and so thankful for the opportunity he's been given. And I, I agree. I think he's 
He's he's wonderful for the team. I think it's nice having a homegrown player here. And I'm excited to see what he does with does with this next season and more playing time. Boy, we had very different interactions with player family members. <laughs> you know, actually, I will say I won't get into the negative. I'll get into the positive. Just speaking of player family interaction, uh, Tony Cardoni has become one of my new favorite Twitter follows. <laughs> um, I, I feel like uh, we we have similar sarcasms in how we deal with online presences. So uh, shout out to the goalkeeper's brother, I assume, uh, Tony Cardoni. <laughs> Um, uh, out of those he likes three, to heckle you. Yeah, he definitely yeah. likes to heckle you, <laughs> uh, amongst it. other people. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> out of those three, I'm most excited. I'm I'm torn between the three of them. I think I think it's a great trio of signings, and it's a great trio to have back. There's not a weak link in there, um, but one that I'm most interested in. I feel like we saw McCarthy's best last year and it was great. And there's no reason to expect that he'll have a drop off this year. So I'm most excited about seeing Connor Presley and, and kind of getting more minutes for him and seeing what he has to offer because there was an English website. I wish I had the link. I should have saved it here. Uh, but there was an English website that was talking about um, the American phenom that was once here is re-signed to San Antonio FC in Texas. And it was interesting to see the praise coming from uh, an area that has seen him uh, more significantly uh, over the course of, you know, an entire season and everything uh, right. where we only got him for the, the half season. So I'm pretty excited to see Connor Presley. We'll see what he's got and kind of see where he's going to fit into the squad. I think he's going to fit in pretty well. I mean, from what we did see, he only played like a little over a hundred minutes this season, um, only a handful of appearances, but it seemed like, and you know, I'm just shooting from the hip here. It seemed like he was talent wise. He was about what Vega was, but maybe a little bit more patient and with maybe a little bit more vision. So with a full off season to get, get in sync with the team um, and get ready for, for 2018, I think he's, I think he's going to really step up for the team and, and fill a void there. I definitely think he'll have the opportunity. I mean, especially with Billy Forbes gone, that takes away kind of one of those guaranteed starters, quote unquote, um, one of those guys that you're really battling out for, uh, for one of those winger spots. And it, it's definitely possible that he could win that spot depending on the other signings and depending on how he does in the preseason. Uh, I'm I'm very intrigued. Yeah, no, he could definitely step up and be a starter at the beginning of the season and hopefully for the whole season if he steps up to the plate there. You know, now that I look at this list, we've had Connor briefly on the podcast. We had a, a post-training interview with him, and we've had the same with Stephen McCarthy. I don't know that we've ever had Maxie on the podcast, and I think we need to fix that, like, ASAP. Definitely. Because he is, like, one of the best characters on this team, looking at some of those videos that the production team puts together, that Anya and everybody put together. Um, he, he definitely seems like a character. I, I don't know why we haven't gotten him on the podcast yet or tried to well, get him maybe, on the podcast yet. Maybe we can snag him at a, a training here in the spring. Yeah, we got to get on that. Grab him at a practice <laughs> and steal him for a few minutes and pick his brain. Um, one thing that I finally did after months of intending to is uh, on 210soccer.com, we do have a roster projection article. 
Um, so the way that that's broken down is it has the official announced roster. It has the players that have officially been announced at other clubs. And then after that, it has a little bit of speculation. It has um, the players that we think will return, players that we think will depart, and then the unknown where we have no clue. And full transparency, right now, there's no one in the expected to depart category um, because it's just been kind of quiet on that front. Um, there's quite a few in the expected to return. Um, honestly, they probably won't all return, just knowing how this all works. But if you had to pick one player who hasn't re-signed yet or signed yet or anything like that, um, is there any one player that you could pick out that you don't think is coming back or, or that you wouldn't be surprised to see leave? Um, based on what we saw at the end of the season, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see Noonan back with the team. Um, you know, there was all those games there after his, his foul issues there with, with RGV and everything. And, and he got benched and he never, he just never came back. They seemed like he fell out of favor with the team. And right now I, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see him again, unfortunately, because he's a great player. He was a great part of the team, but I don't know. That's, that's off the top of my head. That's who I'm not expecting back right now. Yeah, he's one of two players that I am like just about ready to click in the expected to depart <laughs> section. And, and not because he had a huge fallout or anything that, that we know of, but he played well throughout the entire season. And then right at the end of the regular season, um, when he got that red card, uh, I don't think he ever returned again, or he didn't start after that. Marco Jong no. did. Um, I can't remember if he returned or not. No, he, he rode he the bench the rest of the way out after he got that red card. That yeah. was, that was the end of it. Um, if I remember correctly. So that, that strikes me as interesting. Um, when he signed, I kind of expected to see him be like a mirror image of Greg Cochran, uh, making a lot of those runs up the wing and being a little bit more of a versatile player. Uh, I think he played right back really solidly, and he was a huge part of all of those um, low-scoring games and those draws and everything else, holding the, the defense and everything. But um, I, I'm curious if if he comes back or not, or you know if he's re-signed. I, I'm not 100% sure. But um, real quick, uh, uh, just to throw my two cents out there, Chris Tierpak is one that I'm not really sure if he's coming back or not. Um, he's got a high enough profile to where I'm, I'm sure other teams are going to be clamoring for him. And he's the other one besides Ben Noonan that I'm just about ready to move into that expected to depart category. Yeah. I mean, I could see the same thing with tier pack. He, it, it's, it's almost another Forbes situation where there's going to be other teams looking at him. I know we haven't heard about any MLS squads, you know, bringing them in, but I, it wouldn't surprise me if they had, and it wouldn't surprise me if he wasn't with the team. He's got enough of a rapport and enough history in this league to go wherever he wants and for whatever money he wants. So it yeah. may come down to whoever throws the most money at him at the end of the day. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about this later when we talk about expansion. But MLS is spending a lot more money than they used to. And it's going to get harder and harder for players to make that jump from USL to MLS, especially in those attacking positions. Um, if we, you know, Billy Forbes moved to another USL team. 
Um, right. I, I don't see Chris Tierpak making that jump to MLS if Forbes wasn't able to. And, it, you know, I, I could see him playing for another USL team or NASL if they exist, probably a USL team <laughs> or, um, you know, he was with Swope for so long and, and I, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens for sure. But <clears throat> I want him back. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I want him I, back on the team. I, I think want both he, of them back. Yeah, he could be a big part of what we do this next season, um, especially if we're able to bring back Gordon. I'd love to see them up at the front uh, with Elizondo in between them, and then obviously Guzman playing up all the way in the front there. But I don't know. It's it's a big question mark right now. Hopefully, we'll get some clarity here in the next few weeks. Yeah, I, I don't want to make it sound like I want them gone or I think they should leave. I They were both very pleasant to me in all of my interactions with them and um, seemed to be good fits for the club. So, uh, you know, I don't want it to come off like I hope they leave. I, I'm just kind of reading the tea leaves here as best we can. Right, right, right. No, I definitely want them both back if it's possible. So one person we know is coming back. Well, I guess we don't know that, but strong assumption. <laughs> Haven't heard otherwise. Um, head coach Darren Powell. Um, he finished the U.S. Soccer Pro License class. Uh, a example that he. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I got distracted by Periscope chat. I, there. I just saw it too. <laughs> <laughs> um, he finished the the pro license class. He went through it for a full year along with 16 other coaches from around the country, including Jill Ellis from the women's national team, Caleb Porter, previously from uh, the Portland Timbers. I had the whole list in front of me here, but it was just a who's who of MLS and USL coaches uh, and national team coaches. And it was really cool to see him included in that. Um, So I just wanted to to give that mention out that, uh, you know, San Antonio FC has one of the best educated coaches in the country right now because a lot of coaches don't have that education so it's pretty cool i'm surprised we don't see more usl coaches trying to get that i mean there was what three in this last round that's that's not a lot yeah yeah i think the focus i would assume that the focus would be to get all of the mls and national team coaches through first um and then get the usl coaches Uh, maybe i'm not sure but um, it's, it's good that they're doing that and it's good that they're trying to raise the soccer IQ of, um, you know, the, the continent. I'm sure the Darren Powell and Jill Ellis and all those guys don't need the education necessarily. But, um, one thing that was mentioned in the release was the networking and the communicating of issues that each of them have, um, in their different situations. So even if it's not, you know, learning about, soccer from an academic standpoint just the communication between all of the coaches seems like there's value in that if nothing else it's a pretty cool program absolutely i'd love to see more of it um so i do want to get to the two twitter comments that we've had the first one um was about usl salaries i'm sorry i didn't see the name on that I, I missed but, it as well, unfortunately. Um, there was a question that popped up in Periscope chat about how much do USL players make? And we truthfully don't know. Um, most teams don't disclose that information. Um, we do know that there was a player very recently. I've got his name here written down. Um, but there was a player that went public um, this last week on player pay uh specifically 
USL player pay. And I thought that was really interesting because there's no players union or anything like that. Um, it was Brenton Griffiths, uh, who, uh, he said, uh, I had it right here and I clicked away. Oh no. He said, dear USL, it ain't fair that us players have to literally fight to survive and provide for our families in the off season while everyone else remains on the payroll. Players should be ready come opening day with all smiles after going through hell. Hashtag makes no sense. Um, mm. I think something that I'm guilty of, or I'm guilty of in the past, and I'm sure a lot of people are, is when you see someone playing sports professionally, you assume that they are making more money than you. And you assume that they are making, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars, that kind of thing. Uh, maybe not so much for soccer, but you do expect six-figure salaries and everything else. And right. I, I've i heard rumors in the past. I'm not comfortable dropping actual numbers, but um, the the pay rumors that I've heard as far as a minimum wage is not significantly more than a lot of entry-level jobs in other fields um, and, and kind of upper-tier retail jobs and that kind of thing. Uh, a lot of these guys are playing for the love of the game and to try and further their professional career. Um, but, you know, then there's the top tier players who are getting paid more, but I would be surprised. I mean, the the MLS minimum salary, I believe, is $50,000 a year. Um, so I would be surprised if there's too many players making significantly more than that. Um, but that's total guess because we don't know. I'm trying to locate it, but we did have a number tied with, uh, FC Cincinnati when they went and pulled from the Israeli premier league at the very beginning of the season. We, we, we briefly covered it, um, a few podcasts ago. And I feel like it was something like three years at $70,000 a year or something like that, which seems probably on the high side yeah. um, for what we're expecting out of players. But nonetheless, it's a number. It was somewhere right around $70,000 a season for three seasons. Now, I will say that different teams do offer different incentives as well as far as housing and other things to help subsidize the cost of um, you know playing for relatively low salaries compared to other sports. Um, but, you know... I don't think anyone in USL is going out and trying to buy the Carolina Panthers or anything like that. Oh, so, um, I, I, I think that there are a lot of players who are making a good living, um, but they're they're not, you know, crossing that million dollar mark or anything like that. Oh God, no! Yeah, there's I think there's very few players that are hitting that number <laughs> for sure. Probably not any in in USL, I would guess. But I doubt it. I mean, yeah. what I think the only one you could really point at is Drogba, maybe, but that's a combination of ownership in yeah. the team and pay and all that other. Yeah, that that may be the only place where that kind of money is maybe sitting. It's a hustle, man. I'd love to talk to a player who's willing to talk about that. Maybe I'll try and reach out to Brenton Griffiths. I don't know, but because um, you, you have a lot of players that are sponsored by Adidas or sponsored by different companies uh, in their social media and, and things that they wear on game day that they're allowed to wear on game day. Um, yeah, I, I, 
I think it's interesting to to see how those guys get by. And truthfully, a little look behind the curtain here. Last year, I worked really hard to put together a podcast um, with a couple guests who were players who were trying to form a union uh, for lower division soccer players. Mm. And um, the schedule didn't work out and some personal things on my end didn't work out and, and it all kind of fell apart. But that is something I'm really interested in. And the like serious journalist part of me really wants to dig out. But, you know, the guy who just wants to sit here and ramble about soccer is also having <laughs> trouble reconciling that. But I mean, it'd be interesting to know more about it, especially if they are trying to unionize. I mean, it would be good for them from a pay standpoint and getting everything on the, the yeah. same level. But it could also make things a lot more complicated when it comes to the league in general. Yeah. I don't know how the league would feel about it. Yeah, there's a lot of teams that are operating on very, very tight budgets, as we've seen in Rochester and with almost the entirety right. of NASL. So, yeah, it's a complicated issue for sure. But um, all for them getting better pay and things like yeah, that. These guys, yeah, of course. you know, they bust their ass. They're out there practicing all the time. They're away from their families and everything else. So, I mean, yeah, they should. They deserve to get compensated fairly. Yeah, of course. Definitely. I think that's one of the incentives to come to um, like San Antonio FC where the Spurs have such a long track record of responsible ownership and they really seem to try and set those guys up for success. Um, and then even the MLS2 teams, if you're attached to RGV or Swope or any of those teams, you know that that team isn't going to fold up shop and go away immediately. Um, you might not make it to the MLS side. You might get cut the next year, but at least for that season, you're not worried about the paycheck actually coming in like certain other teams in the past. So. Right. Man, I miss Rio OKC from a purely selfish standpoint. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that all the players and coaches and staff um, don't have to deal with it anymore, but I really miss talking about a fight over the actual turf that they used and other fun shenanigans coming up. From... I kind of, I, I wonder whatever became of all that. Like it yeah. just kind of, I know it fell apart, but we, we just stopped getting information about all that, that fun stuff there. It quickly become quickly became the least of NASL's worries, unfortunately. So, oh yeah. Um, and then uh, reeling it back into our wheelhouse of a little less serious, um, Glenn Coco asks, what player do you want to see not come back? I want some hot takes in here. <laughs> I don't know if you actually want to answer that or not. Um, I There's no one that I really don't want back. Like, no one was a huge jerk to me personally or like intentionally kicked somebody in the face or anything like that. Like something where I'd be like, eh, I don't want that guy on my team. I, in, mm, uh, -oh. there was, uh, -oh. <laughs> I, I, I hate to say it. You know, you know, I think I did say it to you behind the scenes back when we've been talking about it before, but I really, I, I wasn't feeling Billy at the end of the season. Oh, I really wasn't. I'm not, no. I, I like Billy. He's a good player, but, he just wasn't doing it for me at the end of the season. He wasn't <laughs> performing on the field and I'm still, I'm, I'm not sad to see him go. I'm not <laughs> rip your mentions. Oh, uh, Cohen chat says, yes, hot takes. Give them to me. 
I think we can easily fill that void with Billy gone. I'm, I'm not worried about him leaving to Phoenix. I'm not any of that. I'm going to be happy about beating him twice a season. <laughs> well, as has been a theme lately, Billy Forbes uh, retweeted me when I said something similar <laughs> on Twitter. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, maybe just tweet that at him. I'm sure he'll see it. She'll have some nice oh, yeah. things to mm. say about it. <laughs> um. <laughs> Man, I'm trying to think if there's ever been an SAFC player that I was just like, man, I don't want to deal with that guy. And um, I haven't yet, I don't think. <sighs> I, I can't think of anybody off the top oh, of my head. It's just like, you. you need to go. Like, I'll, I'll tell you a story about a previous San Antonio soccer team. I used to work at a bar uh, downtown and had to eject several San Antonio Scorpions players at one point, um, who then proceeded to get into a fight in front of the bar. Um, and when I asked them to leave, one of the women with the group started yelling at me and pushing me. Oh, <laughs> okay. Like, obviously, I wasn't going to do anything. Like, I wasn't going to push her back or anything, but... Um, you know, they were all drunk and that didn't look good on their end. And, uh, you know, shout out to SAPD police for, uh, being a strong presence downtown cause they were there and, uh, you know, they, they took it from there, but I don't know how I never heard this story before. Yeah. You've been holding that on me. I've, I'm full of them, man. I'm full of them. No, I, I didn't recognize, um, well, never mind. I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> I'm gonna leave it at that and not identify any specific players, but um yeah, that was that was fun. So that's who I'd want gone. The San Antonio Scorpions. I hope they go away. Except I for I mean Rafa. that's not that bad. I mean Orlando and people Cesar. get Orlando players get thrown out of Disney World, so <laughs> And then when CONCACAF player of the year. What the hell? Yeah. Alex Morgan? Come on. Yeah, get drunk, get thrown out of Disney World, win Conca Calf Player of the Year. That's how it works. We now we know what the what they're they're judging based on. What the criteria is hey, more clear <laughs> than the MLS expansion criteria, so we'll take it. Um speaking of, let's get to that. Let's breeze through some USL topics first though. Um Real quick points is that Sock Takes um, claims that Albuquerque's soul is expected to jump from PDL to USL, um, which would be a cool addition and something that we've heard rumored for, excuse me, of course I've got the hiccups. Awesome. Um, <laughs> something that we've heard rumored for a while that Albuquerque would make that jump to USL. So if that ends up being true, I'm all for it. That's awesome. Especially if El Paso gets a team, um, that could be a really cool desert regional rivalry there. Um, you know, in Phoenix even, um, what do you think? Does Albuquerque slot into the central division or over into the Western man? I think, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to divide all that up because you've got Nashville coming in for a year and then leaving. You've got Sacramento potentially leaving. Man, I I don't know. Is is Nashville leaving? Well, they're I coming mean, in I, for it, a year and then they are moving up to MLS. Maybe they'll start I, a, a USL two like an MLS two side team. But I think that's probably more likely. I I don't know if it'll stay in Nashville, but everything I've seen makes it kind of sound like they're sticking around. Yeah, that that could be. Um, and we'll get to that in just a second. I, I want to hit these two other quick things with USL. 
Uh, first off, our friends up in Colorado Springs, the uh, Switchbacks proposed a downtown stadium, which is pretty interesting. Uh, Mark Turner from Backchat Show always talked about Fortress Sand Creek that they have, their their stadium. Um, but it is a multi-use facility. That It's an older facility that's been converted to house the soccer team. So it would be really interesting to see them get a downtown stadium and just raise the profile of the league a little bit. All for it. Give it to them. Yeah. If they can get it done and, and, and make it happen, good for them. Good for the league. Yeah. And they're not pushing for MLS, so they don't have any incentive to <laughs> push for this and then not do it. So that, that'll be cool if, when it happens. Uh, another thing that'll be cool, shout out to the East Bay where I grew up, um, because Mark Hall plans to build a 15,000-seater soccer-specific stadium in the East Bay uh, outside of Oakland. Which, again, is where I grew up. I'm very, very happy about that. Very proud of that. Um, I love Texas now, though. But that's really interesting because it's more of a suburban look than some of the other teams that have tried to make the San Francisco Bay Area work, um, particularly and reigning NASL champions, San Francisco Deltas, RIP. Um, so I, I think it's a good long-term move, even if it, um, isn't as high profile as having a team downtown San Francisco proper or Oakland proper or anything like that. So it's still a very busy area with a huge population and it'll be really cool to watch. I think, um, just in a more realistic place. Yeah. That's what I was about to say is the population's there, so they can definitely support a team, in that area. So power to him. If Mark Hall thinks he can get it done, get a, get a stadium built and bring a team to Oakland. Good for him. And, uh, I'm having trouble reading this name, honestly, in Periscope. Uh, ask Nupe ask any uh, SAFC yeah. MLS news. So let's actually move into our MLS section here. Um, SAFC, as far as MLS expansion goes, Everything is on hold right now. They, yep. What we know publicly is that they deferred their application to the next round um, back in November. So they are not one of the teams that are even contending for the final slot of this round, uh, of this two-team round. Um, so there's nothing new there. Um, nothing has been publicly released, and I don't expect anything to be publicly released until the things with Austin settle down a little bit. Um, the crew potentially moving to Austin, the crew likely moving to Austin, uh, has really thrown a wrench into everything San Antonio. So, uh, I don't expect to hear anything about SAFC's MLS expansion plans other than they are still interested. They are still trying, but right now MLS needs to figure out what its presence is going to be in central Texas and South Texas, uh, before San Antonio is able to do it. I mean, I think the earliest that we'll hear anything regarding SAFC and MLS is late February, maybe, because we got to get past that uh, Austin City Council meeting in early February, sometime between the 1st and the 14th, uh, to hear about stadium options and the proposed stadium plans for Austin. So until that next section gets ironed out, I don't think we will hear anything more from SAFC. Yeah, very good point. And I do want to drive this home again. SAFC is a USL team that's built to last. They are not uh, in existence purely for 
the push to MLS. Um, they want MLS from everything we've heard publicly and from private conversations I've had with uh, leaders of the organization. They want MLS. It's not bullshit. Um, and they are working very hard to get that. Um, but things are kind of out of their hands right now while Austin gets figured out. I mean, I think people forget that the team owes the city money if we don't get MLS. Yeah. I mean, they, Spurs don't want to spend money if they don't have to. So yeah. rather that money go towards an expansion fee or something rather than paying the city off because we didn't land a team. I think an interesting little wrinkle in all of this, and not to make this a political podcast, I, I always try and shed away from this as best as possible, reel me back in if I get too far. But um, Nelson Wolf came out with a strong hot take against MLS where he wanted them investigated for potential fraud uh, and potential criminal wrongdoing. Um, and that nothing came of that, but he made a big splash of saying that he wanted it. And now he has a challenger in the um, election coming up, which is planned to be his less, his last um, publicly voted on election in his career. So he uh, he wants to keep his job. And right now his opponent is going to be able to say, hey, look, Nelson Wolf wasted all this money on a, a city and county owned stadium that isn't going to go to MLS. So it'll be really interesting to see if Wolf goes even more negative on MLS and uh, if that has any effect or if Wolf doesn't get reelected, if that has a positive effect on the MLS franchise because MLS won't have to deal with this guy who threatened to sue him. Uh, I think it's going to play a big role in who, whoever, if somebody wins over him, what their stance ends up being with MLS, if they do want to help with that cause of pushing a team or not. Because, I mean, we could very well run into a situation where, yeah, Wolf was supportive of the team. Now he's backtracking and wanting all these criminal investigations, which doesn't look good for us. Um, but if his opponent doesn't want MLS either, then that doesn't help our cause either. Yeah, that's that's true. At least we know where we stand with Wolf for the most part. But important note is that it is a Spurs bid. It is a Spurs sports entertainment bid, right. a San Antonio FC bid. The city and county are bankrolling the stadium potentially, but and they own the current stadium. But the bid is in the hands of SAFC. So that's why you hear some conflicting statements and conflicting public sentiments um, from Wolf versus what you hear from the Spurs or don't right. hear from the Spurs. Um, or Nuremberg. That's that's another little thing is Nuremberg's been silent on this too, other than saying relax and be patient. So Yeah. All sorts of different stuff out there. It's kind of crazy yeah. how all over the place everybody is. One thing we do know for sure is that Nashville is in MLS. They uh, did have their expansion bid accepted as the first expansion team for this round, just like we all predicted a year ago, right? This is exactly... Yep. <laughs> <laughs> At least for the last, what, six weeks we've predicted it? <laughs> so yeah, that we have. But you rewind to this time last year and you heard rumors of Nashville applying. You're like, they don't even have a team. They've got no chance. And now they're in. Like, It just goes to show how crazy this whole ride is that you never know what's going to happen and what's going to develop over the course of a few months. Yeah, no, I mean, but props to them for getting getting a bid together that was strong enough to take the first of four spots. You know, they really put it all together there really quick. Yeah. 
as a Green Bay Packers fan, I'm going to have a uh, aversion to this Nashville team, knowing that they share an ownership with the Minnesota Vikings. So, you know, <laughs> screw them. But, uh, no, happy for the fans there. I've got several friends in Nashville, and, and they're pretty stoked about it. They're Manchester City fans, too, so they're having a pretty good soccer year, I'd say. But, yeah, good for Nashville. On the other end of that, as far as the second team in this part of the process we don't know and we won't know until the new year um mls announced that they are going to announce the second team sometime before the mls season and have a timeline for um the quote-unquote final two spots before the mls season starts in march so right um we're we're all kind of in a holding pattern at this point it's gotten really interesting with this second spot here now with um, all the issues that have cropped up in the last few days, there's been rumors of expansion fees increasing from that $150 million number. And that may be being a holding hold up for funding wise for some of the teams. Um, Sacramento seems to be running into some ownership issues. Um, and they maybe don't have the, the money there to bankroll the team the way they thought. And maybe that expansion cost is part of that deal, but they made a big public statement this week um, that they are looking for more investors and potentially a new lead investor. They're really looking for money to come into that club here at the last second to try and get this this done. Do you have a couple billion to throw into a California MLS team? I mean, if I had a couple billion dollars, then SAFC would be an MLS team. <laughs> oh, we all know answer. how this works. I mean, I could just throw money at MLS and they'd, they'd let me have the team here, right? That's That's how this works. That's a good answer. Yeah, it it kind of sucks for Sacramento and the fans out there because a few years ago when they started all this process, they were in a good spot. They had the proper amount of money, seemingly. They had the fan support. They had the city support. Everything was good. Um, but MLS is kind of going through a change right now where Atlanta came in and just blew the doors off the place as far as the amount of money they were spending LAFC is looking like they're going to do the same thing. Toronto is spending a lot still, Seattle. So you're getting this upper tier of team spending that is not what it was a couple years ago. And the teams like FC Dallas, like Houston, that are running at lower budgets are going to become the minority soon. And um, I, I'm I'm not sure how Sacramento does that. They... What it sounds like the rumors are and the comments released by the group, um, it sounds like they're looking for another billionaire to get more money invested. And it's not a good sign that Meg Whitman came in as a minority investor and she's worth $3 billion, but she's not willing to buy enough or not able to buy enough of the team for that to you know be their bank. And... That sends up some red flags to me that, you know, if this person is not committing that much or is not being allowed to commit that much, what's going on behind the scenes there? And I'm worried that we're watching the Sacramento bid fall apart again, um, like we did a few months ago. I mean, I feel like you've got to also remember that Sacramento started this, started building towards this bid three years ago, like way back in 2014, they started building towards making a push for MLS and started gathering investors and things like that. And I think that the costs have just gotten way out of control to 
a lot of those investors that came in on the ground floor and it's it's turning into a lot more money than they ever expected it to be from the expansion fee costs to stadium costs and exce- and stuff like that right. um all those costs have multiplied exponentially and a lot of these people are like nope i i don't know if i want to you know go from putting 50 million dollars into putting 500 million dollars in on this team yeah and it's totally fair and it it sucks for sacramento um, but if you want MLS to be the best league possible, you want it to have the best players possible. Right. And so it, it sucks that it comes down to prioritizing like, Hey, this market has a great supporters group and a very passionate ownership, but they can't afford to bring in, you know, Chicharito. They can't afford to bring in, uh, Almiron, some of these other DPs that are already in the league. So it's, troublesome that that has become a barrier but that's just kind of where we are well sacramento is not exactly a hotbed of investment and and big money and things like that so it's not all that surprising to me that something like this had happened i would have hoped that their investment group had the money already lined up but i know i've heard numbers thrown around of you know from their initial estimates back in 2014 when they first planned the stadium Stadium building costs have gone up over $70 million in the last three years for their estimates. Um, if the expansion fee is truly increasing from $150 million to, I've heard numbers as high as two hundred fifty million to $300 million thrown around on Twitter from some people in the league. Um, you know, that's that's a lot of money. That's, that's yeah. a lot of money to come up with that you weren't planning on. I mean, Rochester can't even come up with a million dollars to keep themselves going. Yeah, yeah, there's a huge drop between what MLS wants now and what USL has now. So it's interesting to see that pay divide. We see it in other leagues. Like you think um, the Manchester United and city are spending the same things as these uh, teams that are trying to avoid relegation. Like it's not an MLS problem. It's a sports problem. (laughs) And I, I don't know. I, I'm curious what happens. Maybe this is a bigger discussion for another time, but I'm curious what happens in the future as more of these teams come in and more of these ownerships come in willing to drop the big bucks. We're going to see more and more of a disparity between where teams are finishing. Um, I'm curious if we're going to start seeing some of the old school owners be pushed out by the league and um, forced to bring in owners that are willing to spend a little bit more or able to spend a little bit more. Well, and I, I, I know we've talked about it before, and there was a big list put out of what teams are spending um, money-wise on player salaries and things like that. And, you know, bottom of the barrel was teams such as FC Dallas and Houston yeah. Dynamo. They were down towards the bottom of that list spending, you know, $6 million a year on player salaries. But then you've got Toronto at the top spending almost 30 Yeah, You know, you can't... Yeah. You can throw money at problems. It's true. You can really, you really can throw money at problems, and Toronto's <laughs> doing that. that. Works. You know, <laughs> it works. It doesn't work everywhere, but in sports, it works. Yeah. And you're gonna have to get more ownership involved in some of these teams that is willing to take that risk, throw that money, poach some players from over in the Premier League and from other other leagues, um, and bring some of those big big names here to raise MLS's profile. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's get to our interview for the week. It did run a little bit long. Actually, before we do that, I should ask you, do you have anything else you want to talk about tonight or anything on your mind in particular? I don't think so. I think we covered most of everything. It's been a pretty quiet week for the most part. 
So I think I, I think I'm good for tonight. Yeah, it's it's been a good off season week. Enough to talk about, but not feeling overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, it it was fun. I'm, glad I'm sure we... it'll pick back up again next week oh, after we yeah. get past the holidays. Yeah. First week of January ish. There's gonna be some like big antitrust lawsuit that comes out tomorrow or something absurd, and we're gonna <laughs> have to talk about that. <laughs> uh, we'll get there when we get there. Yeah. Right. Um, so, well, Larry, it was, uh, it was fun chatting with you. I'll, um, go ahead and kick it over to our interview for the week. If you're listening to the podcast version of this, you will hear my chat with Josh Babetsky, who is part of the MLS in Austin supporters group. And one of the things we talk about in the interview is that the MLS in Austin SG is not related to pre-court sports ventures or mls to atx or anything corporate anything mls they actually are a independent supporters group a a group of folks who just like soccer Uh, so if you are interested in hearing what he has to say about that group what he has to say about austin and uh just some other things that we chatted about we actually talked a little bit about uh pre-court and spending in mls and you know what he expects from that club if it comes to Austin. So it was a fun chat. Thank you, Josh, for coming on to do that, and uh, hopefully we'll chat with him again soon. Um, so yeah, if you're listening to the podcast version of that, that is coming up in just a moment. Thanks for listening. So we're joined now with Josh Babetsky from MLS in Austin Supporters Group. Um, Josh, thank you for joining us. I know we've been chatting for a little while about having you guys on the podcast. I'm happy we were finally able to connect. How are you doing tonight? Awesome. Hey, it's nice to like talk to you audio to audio. I appreciate the invite to, uh, for the Austin people to infiltrate uh, your, your show as it grows its market. And, you know, now that we've spoken, welcome to this conspiracy. <laughs> uh, the dark side. There are uh, plenty of cookies for everyone over here, I think. Uh, I, I joke. Um, but one of the one of the big things we did when we moved from Pitch Black, the podcast, to Texas Soccer Radio is we wanted to include more voices from around Texas. So, um, like, we were scheduled to chat with a PDL team from another market um, that I won't <laughs> I won't mention because I don't want to you know call them out or anything but schedule just didn't line up um, and now we're chatting with you and we'll chat with Dallas and Houston so it's fun to kind of bring in all of the Texas fold into this crazy little drunken podcast that we've got going on <laughs> well really what I what happened is I called my buddy Anthony Precourt and I had MLS <laughs> pressure on them so that they would have to reschedule so that we could talk yeah tony (laughs) i got in there oh and i've always wanted to say this long time listener first time caller oh hey there we go (laughs) so let's talk uh about tony p and the the columbus deal here because one of the things i want to differentiate right off the bat for anyone who may be confused because i know there are there's a lot of confusion (laughs) about this topic your group mls in austin sg is not affiliated with Precourt, with Columbus Crew, with the uh, corporate MLS to ATX group. That's correct, from my understanding. Not, yep, not at all. I would love to have their budget, but we have we have no you know official affiliation. We are just a uh, bunch of people from Austin who love soccer and kind of been 
collecting people like snowballs since uh, December of 2013 when I founded uh, the organization. And you know, there's no there's no direct connection. Nobody's I'm not getting any checks from Precord Sports Ventures, although you know that would be awesome, like bank sponsors. Um, but no, yeah, no, we are a completely separate organic group. Um, when, you know, we got awareness of what they were going to kind of name the local ground game here in Austin, you know, we did address that, that there was going to be the potential for confusion and that, you know, probably we weren't going to be able to kind of pivot on our changing the name of the supporters group, which was always part of the plan, but we didn't want to do, you know, we didn't want to uh, do it ahead of having a real MLS effort here in town. Um, but, you know, we all kind of accepted that was going to happen a little bit. And, you know, over time, I think it's it's getting more clear of uh, who the, the PSD uh, team is, which they're all very nice people. We've obviously gotten uh, to, to meet them and they're, they're all locally based here in, in Austin. Um, uh, and then, you know, we have our supporters group, which is just like any other supporters group or any other MLS team is just, starts as a bunch of people with an idea and usually bar a beer or two and uh, kind of, you know, it's it's kind of a morphing and evolving as we go. So where did the supporters group start? Because you mentioned it was formed back in 2013. So obviously I would think that was before Columbus crew was on anybody's radar or anything like that. It it was, Mm -hmm. you know, something completely different. So what, what did that look like in its onset? So when I moved to Austin from New York City, and I'm originally from the Northeast, I'm originally out of Philly, I've been a Philadelphia Union fan and Sons of Ben member since they've been around. But when I moved to Austin, one of the things prior to moving here was kind of what's the soccer scene look like? You know, is it, is it growing? Is there something I can get involved with? Um, and immediately once I got here, I did. And I started a little project called Supporters Union. Um, which is essentially just a directory of helping connect people like, oh, you're an Arsenal fan and you just moved to Austin. Well, they go to a place called The Tavern and here's their Twitter and here's the link to their website. And that's mainly what its its purpose was. And that was kind of phase one of kind of getting involved and helping connect the soccer audience because Austin is a huge soccer town, but it was very fragmented because you don't, you can't, you didn't really coalesce around the PDL team at the time. Um, but being wanting to be here long term and coming from markets that had MLS clubs and had big pro soccer teams coming to town, I wanted to have that here. I was making a long term investment in the city. I was going to planning on raising a family here. I wanted to be in that same situation that many soccer dads do of being able to take their kid to a you know pro pro soccer game you know seventeen times a year or so. Um, so. I got one, then I got involved, like, okay, well, somebody's got to start organizing. It might as well be me. I was already starting to meet people and start to learn more about the community through the supporters union project. And then just kind of transition that into, okay, well, who out of all of y'all is interested in uh, bringing an MLS team to town? And that was kind of the genesis of it. And so it was more of just kind of showing that there was interest in an MLS team, not necessarily targeted on one relocation or, or you know, behind a specific expansion effort like uh, San Antonio's bid or Phoenix's bid or anything like that. Yeah, no, because this predates, I mean, I, I think the Scorpions were either just getting started or hadn't really taken the, the field yet. Um, sorry, my, my, my San Antonio soccer history is just a little less sharp, but... Um, no, I mean, I, I, up until the Columbus thing happened, or we basically made the prediction about the Columbus thing earlier this year, 
um, where it was totally focused on expansion. You know, expansion was kind of going on. There was a lot of chatter about it. It wasn't it wasn't quite the craziness that, you know, it's evolved into now with trying to close these last four slots. Um, But, you know, that was always kind of the, the eye on the prize was to either, you know, help. Uh, well, it was two things. One, demonstrate what I could see in the Austin market as being a great soccer town um, so that when other people would come to see it or other media organizations could start to see that. And Supporters Union was that step one of drawing a, a lighthouse to to it just to go here. Here's where you can find all this because it was very fragmented. Uh, and then step two was then showing that there was interest and support around uh, an MLS club, which we totally thought was going to be more expansion driven until earlier this year. So I'd like to get into that. We've talked extensively on the podcast about um, Columbus potentially relocating to Austin and uh, you know, all, all the ins and outs of that, I think, but I wanted to really get your opinion on a lot of it really, but starting out with the location, um, one of the biggest criticisms we hear from folks outside of the Austin market is, well, there's no way that they're going to get public land to do that, to build a stadium. So what has kind of been your view on everything and your um, opinion about the chances of there actually being a stadium built on public land and getting that stadium deal done? Um, I I think it's going to happen. Whether or not it's Butler Shores, I think it's a little too early to kind of know if that will happen. Um, the one, the, the kind of the backup popular location, this Roy G, um, park that's kind of on the east, more Eastern side of downtown, uh, much bigger space, much more wide open. I think would be a less, lot less conflict, but there's, you know, it's not as core, um, as that. Uh, and then people forget that even the Travis County Expo Center is not privately owned, um, it's county owned land. Um, so, I mean, I think it's going to happen. I think it's, you know, uh, is the value proposition make sense to give up a little bit of public land in order to, you know, bring this stadium in. And, you know, there's a lot of data points that go the other way. I mean, this is like 10 acres uh, outside of downtown, which represents like 0.049% of the public land just in Austin. Um, and Austin adds, you know, 20 plus acres a year. So it's not really like losing Park space, actually, Austin's pretty good about adding park space continually. Um, plus, you know, those ball fields are, they're not horrible, but they're old, they're aging, the infrastructure's kind of, you know, you can see there's wear and tear on it. They're not heavily used. There's a lot of overgrown plants there. Um, so somebody coming in and deciding to build a $200 million stadium and improving the trail and adding lights and building all new little league fields nearby at another park, which is going to improve some other park space. Uh, plus a training center, which will improve other park space, you know, they're going to get concessions out of PSV in or, you know, in order to kind of make this worthwhile. So I, you know, I think to say giving up parkland is oversimplifying it. I think, you know, the city of Austin needs to make an equitable deal for that trade. So obviously one of the biggest issues with the current um, situation (laughs) with Austin getting MLS via relocation, potentially. Um, 
The situation. The situation. Yeah, I, I don't want to dance around it because, you know, you're not um, unfamiliar with the controversy, I'm sure. Uh, you've been never heard internet. about it. I thought everybody was, I thought everybody was fully supportive. What's going on? <laughs> right. right. Um, yeah. So, uh, no, I, I kind of wanted to talk about that and get your honest take on everything. Um, one of the things I think is a good starting point is from one of our listeners, Pete, who's been with us for a long time. Um, he wanted us to ask about the 10 things list. Um, and I kind of wanted to parlay that into, um, how do you, how do you walk that line of being excited for a potential team while also not necessarily dancing on the graves of crew fans in Columbus and, uh, you know, kind of that mocking thing that could very easily happen. Uh, how do you walk that line currently and how difficult has it been? Uh, you walk it by constantly tripping over it one side or the other. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a learning experience. Um, you know, I think to address Pete's question, you know, directly, the, the 10 things list, that was an early days. Attempt. Actually, we have another 10 things list that's in the queue somewhere. Uh, one of the other guys is working on it. Um, but, you know, it was an early days attempt of us to try and create some clarity. The problem with Twitter, and this is also before, you know, kids might not remember that Twitter only used to support 140 characters. It became very hard to give well-rounded, comprehensive answers um, two things. Uh, and obviously there was a lot of emotions flying, a lot of anger. Um, and, um, you know, uh, what we were trying to do well, with that is uh, clearly not to be, uh, as you put it, douchey, um, but to create some positioning around it and just try to be a little more clear. So the list was actually trying to address things we were seeing from various people posting. And it was a lot of the same questions and comments or criticisms over and over again. We were trying to consolidate that into a more concise set of answers. The second thing we were also trying to do is because there was such a, a emotional reaction out of it, um, we we're also trying to consolidate the threads. So while you know people look at it and go, wow, that was a dumb thing for them to do, we essentially took all of that vitriol and fury and funneled it into one thread on our Twitter account rather than being a bouncing across, you know, 20 or 30 different threads. Um, so it served its purpose. We wanted to contain the conversation down into one thread and try and get a mo more focused uh, narrative out of it. Um, so, and then since then, you know, we've kind of learned some lessons is because somebody else who had, didn't have any context. And the first thing they saw was this list. They're like, what are these a-holes doing? And, you know, and I get that too, you know, okay. So we, you know, it, it, what it lacked was a lot of the nuance of additional context as to, why were we posting these things or why were we taking some of these positions? Um, you know, and then it was also early days, you know, we were very excited about the news, um, which didn't make us less concerned about the impact to Columbus. But, you know, I don't think we had a whole lot of time to really process the right way to all of a sudden where, you know, our biggest critic was, you know, Aaron typing furiously way, way over on MLS and SA to now all of a sudden we had this national audience, you know, was kind of paying attention to everything we were, tweeting and talking about. And that national audience is obviously coming from a hashtag save the crew viewpoint and saving this original um, team that was part of the league back on the onset. And how do you handle that conversation with people or 
is there ever a conversation with people of trying to um, logically, you know, say, well, you know, maybe it's for the best for the league to move one team to another market or, or that kind of thing. How often do conversations actually happen compared to just yelling at <laughs> at you <laughs> or at the group? Yeah, um, it's a mixed bag. Um, there's definitely accounts that are just trill, you know, just purely out to just burn the world. Uh, they don't care. They're just, they, they just want to set fire to something. And since we're the only ones engaging in a counter conversation for the most part, um, it gets directed at us and that's okay. Um, we, you know, there's a lot of just troll troll accounts that are just trying to, you know, take a particular point of view and just try and, you know, twist it or aim it towards us. And that's fine. Um, there are often, people that are just very emotionally upset and hurt over it. And we get that. Um, and those are the tweets and posts that I think kind of get us the most, because you can definitely tell they're coming from a genuine place. They're not after trying to set fire to us. It's really just, you know, why I don't understand this. This is my club. I take my kids here. Um, you know, those are the things that are kind of really are the, the knife twisters, you know, they're really like, you know, wow, you know, this, you know, that, and it also helps ground us that there is an emotion because we do spend a lot of our time just with people that are on the losing end of their fight because they're not fighting the right fight. But, you know, we try to keep in mind there are people that are never going to touch a keyboard on Twitter, never going to post anything on Facebook that are deeply and emotionally affected by this. And that's what we try to anchor ourselves to. Of, you know, it would be so easy for us to just kind of go off and go in, you know, counterattack mode and be like, ah, ha, ha, you know move the crew or screw you guys, you should have done better, you know, but that's, that's not where we're trying to come from. We're very happy that Austin has an opportunity to get a soccer team, but we're pro Austin. We're not anti Columbus. You don't see us, uh, as far as I know, any of our team members or anybody going to Columbus boards or going on the save with the crew, Facebook pages and starting crap. You know, we're not, nobody's trying to chest bang over this, you know, as far as uh, our team is concerned. You because know, we're trying to be very sensitive to that. When we talk about Columbus, we try to only talk about it in the context of how it's either affecting Austin or responding or replying to a question, you know, directed around that. We're not like going out and being like, oh, well, you know, too bad, so sad, you know, things like that. Because that's not, that's not where we're, that's not our focus. That's not where our attention is. So I, I do want to ask about the potential USL team that's kind of been put on hold while this whole process goes along. Um, how much focus was there before the crew stuff kind of broke? Uh, how much focus was there on possibly supporting the USL team and supporting pro soccer in that way? Uh, or, or has MLS kind of always been the goal of your supporters group? Well, I mean, we never at any point were called USL to Austin. So, I mean, MLS. <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> so, the big, so the big prize was always MLS. But, um, you know, I have the opportunity. I've known a lot of the ownership group for the Aztecs. As a matter of fact, I was out having dinner with one of them the night before the news broke, and he was just being all cagey with me about the potential announcement um, of, the, you know, uh, USL in 2019 uh, announcement that, you know, happened shortly after. Um, so, you know, we're, we would have been happy to see USL come back, but that wasn't really going to change our main focus. And we would have like done dual support, you know, we would have been like, you see in other markets where, you know, or even San Antonio where they're 
there are definitely USL San Antonio supporters, but they want the big price too. Um, so I think that would have wound up being more of our position. Um, the thing that was kind of shaky just from the get-go was, you know, it seemed like, you know, it was an asterisk, like, you know, well, we're going to squeak by and technically say we have a team, you know, we're not spending a lot on infrastructure. We're still going to put it out at Coda. We're going to drag some racetrack bleachers over and we're going to use this pitch. We put it in for the Barcelona Academy and it's like, okay, well, that's something, but that doesn't seem like going in and going big. So even from day one, it seemed like a little, all right, well, let's wait and see how this starts playing out. So speaking of spending and ownership groups, and uh, as we kind of wrap up the conversation here in a couple minutes, uh, I wanted to ask because we're recording this Wednesday night. So the news that Nashville has been accepted into MLS as its latest expansion franchise has been announced. Uh, and there's a lot of rumors going around that part of the holdup with Sacramento not being announced is the ownership group and the potential spending and that kind of stuff. So <clears throat> from a stamp, from a fan standpoint, do you view um, the pre-court ownership group with any sort of skepticism as far as, you know, maybe they're not going to be one of the big spenders and maybe they, you know, could potentially leave town again in a few years or, or any sort of hesitations like that on either their budget for bringing in big players and competing um, or their seriousness of planting in Austin and staying in Austin for the long haul? Um, I think that coming, like, there's a bunch of like nuanced sub questions in there. I'll, I'll try and pick through. Yeah, so I, I kind of loaded coming, that one. Sorry, that, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. I think um, I think them coming to Austin is for the long haul, um, and I think if nothing, that the whole Columbus thing is will ensure that you know the city council and all, you know the, the land lease and all those things will significantly lock them in um, to making sure they're not going to you know blow the coop. And I don't think they will. I mean, it, it, the league doesn't like to move teams. Um, as we wrote about, um, you know, it's, I think we're going to see it happen more in the next 20 years than we did in the first 20 years, but that's kind of par for the course with an evolving American uh, pro league. I don't think they're going to want to pull that lever a lot, um, but I think, you know, it can happen. So just because they moved from here to your here, it's, you know, it's not like a cheating wife. It's like, you know, it was, I'm sure it was Herculean for them to like even pull this off to, to move in the first place. You know, nobody's nobody's five years down the road. Nobody's going to go like, you know, Don Garber, the new commissioner or whatever, isn't going to go, okay, well, let's just try over here now. Like, that's just not feasible. I think the money thing and how they're going to run the operation. Yeah, I mean, I have tons of questions. Um, you know, I see a lot going on in just the execution of this move and the, the, the communication of the Columbus community. You know, and not all this stuff squares with us. You know, we have questions. We have concerns. Um, you know, and so I think we were just kind of learning and taking a wait and see approach, but also at the end of the day, if MLS is going to come here, doesn't necessarily matter what our supporters group means or does, you know, we, they're, they're going to come here or they're not going to come here. And if they come here, then that's going to be our MLS team. And this is going to be our ownership group. So the best thing we can do is try and position ourselves to help them be successful, um, you know, with those things. And I don't think you necessarily have to be a big spending club. I think you just have to be a smart club. Um, and I think the, there will also be pressure on the league for them to be performant. Um, you know, you mentioned the Sacramento thing. And if the concern is they don't have deep enough pockets or they're not going to be the kind of spenders that MLS wants to see, 
Um, I think you're going to see that pressure on existing owners as well, because now you have things like Atlanta coming in, putting up huge numbers, your Seattle's, your Portland's, um, LAFC, you know, we, I've, I've talked to their supporter coordinators and stuff over there. They are just setting the world on fire. They are doing everything right. Um, and MLS, you know, has a great digital game. They pay attention to these things. They try and, you know, incorporate that into what are we going to do with the, you know, with our next market and how do we make these things more successful? So I'm optimistic that between the Austin community, uh, the league, and I think the genuine interest of PSV to, you know, run a successful franchise here in Austin. Um, and I'm optimistic that things will be work out well, but we, you know, if, if anybody thinks we just taking it on blind faith and just, you know, letting them take the wheel, um, that's not happening either. Well, I've already kept you almost 10 minutes longer than uh, we intended to here tonight, but um, man, we could chat for a whole nother hour. I'll I talk think, all about night. This stuff. All good. <laughs> Move on, Larry. So I, I want to make sure we end um, with people knowing uh, how they could reach you and how they could potentially be part of this supporters group if they wanted to or show support in some way. Um, so if you could kind of go over, I know you have different membership uh, deals and, and that kind of thing. Sure. Yeah, no, I mean, we've already had a couple of signups coming from uh, San Antonio and Kyle and New Braunfels. So, you know, more the merrier. Come on board. Uh, we'd love to have you guys up in the stands for an MLS game. Um, but yeah, you can uh, reach us at MLSinAustin.org. Um, and then you can sign up for a membership. We have a casual membership, which is just free. Like just sign up, get on the mailing list, you know, follow our Twitter and Facebook and Instagram accounts and medium, um, and just, you know, keep tabs on what's going on and you'll find out ways you can get more and more involved. Um, if you're the type that likes membership kits, we got cool swag. Um, you know, we have a, a membership kit that, you know, 30 bucks for the year, it'll get you a cool scarf and some stickers, some magnets. Uh, uh what else is in there? I forget now. Um, and then, you know, if you're you're a big roller and you really want to help us bankroll some TIFO and things like that, you know, we also have uh, the new ones just started shipping. We have customized Yetis, uh, hats, and uh, everything from the other kit. So I'm not trying to – I don't want to sound like I'm trying to, like, just shill a membership <laughs> kit. You know, yeah, the really – yeah. No, no, I appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity for the plug. Um, brought to you by Breakfast Tacos. No. Um, <laughs> But I um, should we talk about know, Austin really, and San Antonio breakfast tacos and, and which one is I better? I think we should close on that. Well, it's really no question. It's clearly Austin. <laughs> oh, <God>. um, but <laughs> but the important thing is, I just just people should sign up and just be aware and get involved. Um, I know there's been a lot of emotion on the San Antonio side of this. You've got kind of some the enemy of my enemy is my friend, and all of a sudden now everybody's you know, part of the crew faithful, you've got some people that are like, Hey, you know what, whatever, I'll go up to Austin. And then you've got people that are like, Oh, I'm going to burn my MLS stuff and never go to another game again. And I think that's all self self defeating. Um, if you want to come up and support Austin or you want to stay aware of at least what's going on, maybe not today, but maybe someday, um, you know, get involved, uh, keep, keep tabs on what we're doing up here. Um, in the meantime, you know, continue to support your great USL team that you have down in San Antonio. Because the tricky thing is we are all soccer fans and we should all support soccer wherever our soccer is located and in whatever division it's located. Um, so like, you know, don't take it out on SSE. We don't know the full story of what happened there and what and why, um, you know, don't take it out on those, those players who are working hard making peanuts, you know, trying to scrape out a living on, uh, you know, being a pro player. 
you can always take it out on the refs. They, they probably have it coming, but <laughs> um, <laughs> the moral is support your soccer wherever it is. If you're interested in uh, soccer here in Austin and want to take the drive up, that's great. Or wherever you're at or fly in, because I'm sure you have worldwide listeners, um, you know, but be involved with where your soccer is and whatever radius that is, is comfortable uh, to you. And, you know, hopefully you guys will support uh, the MLS team in Austin here, hopefully in 2019. Well, Josh Babetsky from MLS in Austin supporters group. I, I really appreciate you joining us and uh, kind of putting a human voice to this Twitter uh, account that has gotten a lot of attention over the last few months. So I'm sure we'll chat again uh, sometime in the very near future. Yeah, I went from like one crazed guy behind a computer through four years ago to now there's we have a whole team of uh, you know people volunteering to kind of help out and, and give it voice. So. Um, I appreciate the opportunity to have on and, you know, to all those out there that have more questions, you know, we're always happy to have a human constructive talk with anybody. So again, just wanted to thank Josh for coming on with us and chatting. Uh, again, you can follow them at MLS in Austin and uh, we'll, we'll be keeping an eye on what they are doing and obviously the developments in Austin as well. Um, so that's going to be our show for this week. Thank you so, so much for listening. Um, we plan on having another guest for next week from uh, somewhere else. And uh, like we talked about earlier, we'll work on getting uh, some more SAFC players and some more interesting folks on the pod in the coming weeks. Um, again, I've been Kyle Mankey. He's been Larry Leathers. Uh, we host and produce this show together, Team Effort. Um, so much thanks to him for doing that with me music is provided by mission complete you can check out the album emotionally strong enough to be your man anywhere digital music is available including uh spotify you can follow us on twitter at tx soccer radio or our personal accounts at larry leathers 87 and mine is at kyle underscore mankey so until next week, I genuinely hope you all have a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, uh, and just a kick-ass weekend. So until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>